And I think a lot of us, when we're thinking about what am I supposed to do or, you know, what does that look like for me? In my case, what I've tried to do is once I knew the general direction God was calling me, I kind of just looked around and said, okay, who are the people that God has put in my world? Welcome to Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh. You are in store for another great interview. On today's podcast, we have Pastor David Lindell. And Pastor David is the Executive Ministry Pastor at James River Church in Springfield, Missouri. I've been following James River Church and Pastor David and his father, Pastor John, for a couple of years now and been intrigued by the church that they lead. And they also host an annual men's conference, which is one of the large men's conferences in the country. Really had an awesome discussion with Pastor David and really hope that you are able to learn from Pastor David's story and all the lessons that Pastor David has to share with with us. I uh, really had a great time interviewing Pastor David and um, really hope you enjoy this podcast interview. Well, Pastor David, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule and saying yes, because I've uh, been following James River Church and uh, you and your dad and really awesome to to have you on the on the podcast and looking forward to our our discussion here. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, Cameron, and it's a huge honor to spend some time chatting with you about life and leadership. For sure. Um, so first, tell us our audience about who you are. So I'm part of a team at James River Church in Springfield, Missouri. That's where kind of our headquarters is as a church. And we've got four physical locations in the Southwest Missouri area. And then, of course, a global presence online, which we're so thankful for our global church family and, you know, all over the world, people doing life with us in community, which is so cool, honoring, humbling, amazing. And just to see the scale and scope of what God is doing around the earth is really cool. But I'm a pastor. I'm part of the preaching team here at the church and then lead a variety of the departments and areas initiatives that we're doing as a church family. So and and then I'm a dad. So I've got four kids and that's an amazing journey that takes more uh, effort, intensity, energy than, than being a pastor. Being a dad is is no joke and I love it and I'm so thankful. And then my wife's name is Becky, the love of my life. So that's just a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, Pastor David, I uh, wanted to take it back a little bit. Uh, you know, this this theme of the podcast is navigation and discovery and truly discovering who you are and God called you to that, that path to go into ministry. Um, I wanted to, can you provide our audience some insights is, is what truly led you to a path uh, to, to uh, lead, not only pursue ministry, but also lead in ministry. Yeah, I would say it didn't start with the desire to lead or be in church ministry. So as a teenager, um, I grew up in a pastor's home. So in some ways that would be, I think from an outside perspective, the natural progression, it would be kind of what people thought I would end up doing. And yet I internally didn't really want to do that. Um, I actually thought I would end up in the medical field. I thought I might be, you know, in some branch of neuroscience, not because I was a real science nerd. I just was interested in what doctors did. And so I remember my dad saying, Hey, let's set up internships. You know, we can 
you can kind of explore that. And, and in the middle of that very early exploratory phase, I felt like uh, I was I was in a service, in a youth service, because I was, you know, I was following Jesus. I loved the Lord. I was not, I was pretty intentional about my walk with God, but I didn't have a desire to do ministry or lead in the church world. And so out of this service, there was, I really had a moment where I felt like God spoke to me and told me what he wanted me to do. It, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a very strong sense like, okay, God's calling me to go into ministry and to lead in vocational ministry. And so I, out of that, started to kind of reorient the way I thought about life and the way I thought about my future. And I'm, I'm pretty uh, detailed about the steps that I would take toward a desired outcome. And so, you know, started thinking about college and then in college started thinking about seminary and along that journey, God just confirmed. And I think a lot of us, when we're thinking about what am I supposed to do? Or, you know, what does that look like for me? In my case, what I've tried to do is once I knew the general direction God was calling me, I kind of just looked around and said, okay, who are the people that God has put in my world? Who are the, you know, rather than going, who's, you know, halfway across the country who I want to mentor me, who are the mentors right here? Who are the, what are the resources right in front of me? And try to bloom where I was planted in a sense and not look at the green grass on the other side of the fence, but go, okay, if God's called me and he's the one who's positioned me, then obviously the people around me and the resources around me are God-given tools that I need to leverage in the calling that he's called me to pursue. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. And then God just confirmed that all along the way. So that's kind of the way that went down. Yeah, that's an awesome story. I actually did a bunch of research on you before this and nowhere did I find that you wanted to go to the medical field. <laughs> well, so. I don't really talk about that too much. I mean, it's, I mean, you're a teenager, you don't know what yeah. you want to do, but I did. I, that's probably the only other career path that I ever seriously thought about. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Well, I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned is the people that were around you, such as yeah. mentors and role models. Um, can you talk about those, like, like any significant mentors and role models that influenced you uh, in, in your journey of, of, of figuring out that you wanted to pursue a path in ministry? Sure, sure. Well, I would say in my life, I've been incredibly blessed to have people who I was related to also be a great resource for me. So I know that not everybody has that story. Not everybody has parents who are great examples or encouraging. Sometimes you feel like you're almost working against the odds because of the family that you come from. And yet I would say a lot of us undervalue the assets we have in the people that are closest to us. And we're we're looking, you know, we read a book by some author and if they could only mentor me or they could only invest in me. And yet you probably have people really close to you who have a lot of wealth in terms of understanding and wisdom that it would be very easy for you to access and then springboard off of into whatever God has called you to do. But in my case, I, you know, my dad has been a great coach to me. And so we have a super tight relationship. My grandpa was a pastor and pastored in the on the West Coast, pastored in the North Central United States. And so he was a great uh, inspiration to me. My father-in-law, business owner, entrepreneurial, you know, learned a lot from him just in terms of 
managing money and how he saw resource. And so some of the mentors that you might go, ooh, who's that mentor that you have? It's like, well, I, honestly, I looked at the people around me and said, what, do, what can I learn from first and foremost from my family? And then outside of that, who are in my immediate context? So then when I went into college, I had a professor and most, you know, for the college students out there who might be listening to this, you might think that your professors don't want to talk to you, don't have time for you. That's totally not true. Your professors want relationship with you and want to invest in you. I didn't know that. And so as a student, I was kind of coming to class and then like having fun, but not really relationally connected with your professors. And then in my sophomore year of college, one of my professors, a guy named Doug Ose, said, hey, I want you to eat lunch with me once a week surprised me. He said, let meet me in my office, bring your lunch. Let's just talk about life and ministry and what you want to do and theology. And so every week we would meet and we would talk. And out of that, I started to develop desires for my future that I didn't have before. What do I mean by that? Like, I didn't ever want to go to graduate school. I didn't want to go to seminary. But I thought as a preacher's kid, <laughs> I thought I knew everything. And so, which was dumb and I didn't, but I didn't know that until I spent time with him. And he kind of opened up a new world for me. Um, his voice in my life was very formative in causing me to go, okay, there's more for me to learn. There's more for me to discover. And out of that relationship, I kind of set a path to go, okay, I'm going to go to seminary. I'm going to move to Dallas. I'm going to go to Dallas Theological Seminary. And at Dallas Theological Seminary, my historical theology professor, a guy who is amazing this double phd you know many times over author uh named john hannah dr hannah became he didn't know it but he was investing in me he was speaking life into me i would come into his office and ask him questions and so once again i was looking for the mentor in my own backyard and that's i think what i would encourage every listener to do who's the mentor in your own backyard that maybe you've overlooked or maybe you've thought ah i know them what could i learn from them what i would ask you to do is ask them questions that you would ask the mentor that you don't know okay john maxwell and you aren't buddy buddy if you are you should ask him questions but you know or you and craig rochelle or you and simon sinek you don't you know some of these great leadership voices well, start with the leaders around you, leverage those relationships, lean into those relationships, and then watch what that produces. Because we are constantly overwhelmed by thoughts of inferiority because of what we don't have. And that comes out of comparison, and which robs us of the riches that are right in front of us. So if you give into comparison, well, then you're going to miss out on what God would want to do and what God has already given you that's actually right under your nose. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge champion of that, honing in on your unique God-given where you're called to and not not playing that that comparison game. Um, and you're right. I think with the the mentors that have surrounded me in, in my life, uh, I've always had that that curiosity on, you know, other leaders, how they think, other people, how they think, even leaders who are well beyond my level. And it just, it really shapes you who you are and it helps you go into that direction that God so has true. called you to be. So true. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, to ask you this, like 
during your your path of, of ministry so far, have there been any unexpected or surprising moments that have shaped your understanding of, of faith and spirituality? Because this this journey we call faith and uh we're we're people that believe in the Christian faith, it is truly a journey. So yeah, what are your insights on that? You know, I think we all are gonna have moments that kind of catch us off guard and we can either think about those as setbacks. And I know this is going to sound a little bit cliche, but it's totally true. We can either think about those as setbacks or setups. So it totally depends on your perspective. But if you are a follower of Jesus, then part of what is true at the core of Christian theology is that God is sovereign, meaning part of what's in play in your life is the providential care of almighty God. He's working through a variety of circumstances to move you forward in his plan for your life. And so if you give in or begin to believe that what has happened to you is a, is a product of chance or man, you got it dealt a bad hand, or it's just bad luck. What you are doing is you're missing, one, you're giving chance and luck and a bunch of other fake realities a lot of credit, when the fact of the matter is that God works all things together for the good. So in my life, there there was a time out of seminary, I really thought I was going to go and plant a church almost right away. And I went through a residency interview process. So this great group that plants lots of churches all across the United States, I was interviewing as a candidate to be a resident with them, meaning they train you for a year and then they send you out to a location of your choice. I was super excited about it. My wife and I had prayed about it and we had gone through this these steps. And then when I got to the interview process, we were sitting down at the end of a four hour interview. They said, well, and I knew that the moment of truth was coming. And I said, so what do you think? I said, is it a, you know, red light, green light, you know, and he was like, we don't do the red light, green light thing. He's like, we think that you've got a ministry calling. We think you've got ministry gifting. We just don't think you're ready to church plant, Mm -hmm. which was a total curveball to me because honestly, I came in expecting that they were going to say yes, and we want you. And then it was just going to be one of the options in front of me. And I think that was the problem, that I was viewing this as an option of something I could do. And they appropriately assessed that if you're going to be a church planter, it requires a resolve and a tenacity that says, regardless of what may come, I know that God has called me to do this exact thing because church planting is really hard. So we walked away from that interview a little discouraged, a little like, okay, well, I thought we were going to get the thumbs up on that. And yet, in instant, in the car, I looked at my wife and I said, I think this is a confirmation about another position that we're supposed to take, which ended up being here at James River. And it was as a research assistant. It's kind of where I started on the staff. I'll, I geek out over research. I'll be your nerd friend. But <laughs> I felt like that was God saying in a moment where, and I really believe this, It's that was now... I don't know, well over a decade ago, I really believe that out of that moment, God gave me clarity and God gave me confidence 
about the next step we were supposed to take. It was a curveball. Didn't expect it. I wouldn't have mapped it out that way. Nobody ever wants to hear you're not ready. But the honesty of that assessment allowed me to take the next step toward the path that God was really putting me on. So, uh, you know, I think that's how I've tried to process those curveballs, those things that you're like, eh, I, don't, I don't really know what to do with this. This isn't what I expected. Say, okay, God, obviously you're in the middle of this. Help me to navigate this from the perspective that you're working through this to lead me toward your preferred plan for my life. Mm. I think one people, one thing that people struggle with though, and I think I struggle this with too, is, is when you're told no, or you're not ready yet, or this yeah. might be not the right season, people often get discouraged and they just want to want to quit. How do you, what, how do you continue pressing forward and continuing to move forward and nurturing where God has called you to towards uh, even during those times of discouragement? Well, I think when I hear you ask that question, part of what I, what kind of pops into my mind is just the generation that is coming up right now into uh, pursuing their career path, kind of figuring out what life is about. And that's, mm -hmm. that's Gen Z. So you've got Gen Z or some scholars call them iGen. And it's a generation that has heard yes a lot. It's a generation that is, that has been, and I, and I don't think I'm all about positive reinforcement. I'm all about encouraging people, but in some cases there's, I think there's, we have to watch out for entitlement. We have to watch out for, Hey, I got the participation trophy every time. And so like, I'm a winner. Um, you are a winner, but not everybody wins at everything. And actually, I don't think anybody wins at everything. That's kind of common sense. But when we hear no, sometimes what can happen is we hear a personal attack. And so if you interpret somebody's no or somebody's you're not ready as a personal attack on either your skill or your personality or your wiring or your capability, as opposed to an assessment of where you find yourself, then it's going to be very hard for you to integrate their feedback. So here's what I think will help people including your listeners specifically from getting discouraged. What, what all of us have and should have is somewhere where we want to go. So you've got, here's where I want to be. I want to be at this spot in my career. I want to be this spot in my ability to communicate. I want to be at this spot in my leadership and influence. And then we've got where we're at. And the problem is not the distance in between. Hmm. The problem is if that distance ever closes. Because if that distance closes, then you've hit your lid. So if I can never tell you you're not ready, or if I can never tell you you can get better, what you're telling me is your ceiling for yourself is somewhere you're already at. Hmm. There, there's no potential in your life. I call this the growth gap. And I hope in my life that my ceiling is always getting higher and I'm always simultaneously rising. But if I ever start to outpace my desire, if I ever start to outpace my ceiling, well, then I'm not hungry anymore. Like I, I can't learn anymore. You, 
But if I recognize, oh no, I can grow. Yeah. I can get better. And I don't try to close that gap. I try to allow that gap to grow with me. Then all of a sudden, what happens is I've got an inquisitive mind. I ask a lot of questions. Leaders are learners. So I'm asking questions. I'm desirous of your feedback. I want your honest assessment. I don't want your fluff. I want you to tell me how it is so I can get better, so I can go further, faster, so I can be more effective in the area that I'm called. And as long as you are willing to receive feedback, you're not done growing. But if you're done getting feedback, if I can't ever tell you you're not ready, if I can't ever tell you you're not quite there yet, well, then you've told me I'm done growing and my influence is actually begun to shrink because influence doesn't stay static. You're either growing in your ability to steward things or you're shrinking in your ability to steward relationships and assignments. And so you've got to decide, am I content to be where I'm at and actually go backward? Or am I hungry for new opportunity? Because if you're hungry for new opportunity, mm -hmm. feedback will never be your enemy. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, I think in order to grow, you need feedback and to have absolutely the, give permission to people around you to give that feedback because it's only going to help you grow. And yeah. I think it also gives you that diverse amount of perspectives to help you, yeah, you know, continuing to rise your ceiling and strive for higher and higher. Yeah, well, absolutely. And if you, you know, here's the thing. I think people sometimes say, oh, no, I'm open to feedback. But when you, mm -hmm. when you give them feedback, you can tell they tense up yeah. or they go deadpan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's telling me all, you know, body language is a lot of how we communicate. It's the majority mm -hmm. of how we communicate. So make sure that when you're getting feedback, you send both um, visual cues and verbal cues that you appreciate what's being said to you. One of the best things you can do as a growing young leader is go, thank you so much for taking the time to speak into my life. Thank mm -hmm. you. I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot on your plate. I know you're leading a lot of things. Thank you so much for your willingness to tell me how I can get better. That says to the leader that you're talking to, okay, this person is actually serious about growth. Mm -hmm. And that, that actually causes them to multiply their desired investment in you. Because if you're somebody who's going to take notes and lean in and learn, it's like, okay, well, I'd actually like somebody like that close to me and growing on my team. But if you're somebody who's like, oh, I can't believe I'm in trouble again, and you're processing it through the lens of this is an attack, and that's so unfair, then you're telling the leader, I'm not open to feedback, which means I'm not open to growth. Mm. That's so awesome. I feel like you're speaking into my life right now with what you're saying, because it's really refreshing to kind of hear some of some of your perspectives. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the in this podcast, we talk a lot about whatever what we've been talking about, passion, purpose, calling. And, you know, I, I feel like the world pressures people. And this is applicable to all generations, right? to you need to find your purpose, passion, calling. Yeah. Uh, but I see often even my peers and people that are older than me, younger than me, is they have, they're struggling to find where they're called to, where they're struggling to find what their passion is. Yeah. 
you're, you know, there are people surrounding them might be telling them to do something else yet. Their heart is led to something else. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone that is struggling with this area? Well, I would say start as early as you can asking God to help you discern where your passions and I would say your gifting is leading you. Here's what I mean by that. God wants to give us the desires of our heart. He didn't say he would do that right now. Hmm. And so there are things in your heart that may not be for today. They might be for five years from now. They might be for 10 years from now. But if they're in your heart and you're serious about them, you still have a, you still have a responsibility to steward that desire. Hmm. So if you say, oh, that's in my heart, but I don't see how that could possibly happen. So I'm going to go get this job selling insurance, which may be your passion. If you're passionate about insurance, God bless you. We need a lot of passionate insurance agents. But if you're passionate about film directing, and yet you're like, I don't know how to start. I don't know what to do. And so you go get a job at the gas station, or you go get a job uh, as you know, some, I don't know, something in your community, or you get the safe career path, whatever that is, or you think, you know, because I hear this, sometimes people will say, well, my, my mom and dad thought I would always have a job if I sought out this career path. I understand the stability of that. But if you're not passionate about it, and your heart not hearts not in it, eventually, you're going to find yourself miserable. So either you need to say, and your career is not the only way to scratch the itch of passion. Sometimes we have a career that comes in concert, that joins in concert with our passion. So I know people who are passionate about global missions and about seeing the gospel go around the world, but they're a stockbroker. It's like, okay, well, shouldn't you be a missionary? Actually, no, because God has given them the gifting that allows them to fund global missions and make an impact in more parts of the world than they could possibly go physically. And yet we need missionaries who go there physically. So there are some people and they have a gift for something and a passion for something. And then those two end up lining up in a way that they would have never imagined. And so sometimes you have people who are in the marketplace. They're, they're an entrepreneur, they're a business owner. And they're like, man, I wish I was a pastor. But the itch they're feeling is not the itch to be a pastor. The itch they're feeling is to partner their business acumen with a desire to reach people with the good news about Jesus. And they may end up being what I would call a kingdom builder, that there's somebody that God wants to use to steward resource, to funnel resource through for the expansion of the kingdom of God, to reach the hurting and the broken with the good news of the gospel. And so all I'm saying in that is you have to listen to you know, listening to your heart is bad advice unless you have a heart that is yielded to the Holy Spirit. If you have a heart that is yielded to the Holy Spirit, then you want to be aware of what's in your heart and submit that plan, that desire to Almighty God and see where that leads you toward your passion. And I think when you do that, it will help you remain humble and not run out in front of God and go, okay, God, I've got, I don't, I don't see how this is working. So I'm going to just go do this. It may not be the moment for it. Or it may be that God wants to accomplish what is in your heart through an avenue and a means that you totally didn't expect. 
And God's going to work through that powerfully to make a greater impact than you could have made if you executed it in your own strength. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really good. I really like that. So I think, I think if you, and you have people around you, I'm not telling you to disregard the people around you who would see things in you. They see your strengths. They see your gifting. They see things in you that you don't see in yourself. Mm -hmm. You need those voices, but ultimately they cannot tell you what God is calling you to do. You have to position yourself before God and say, Lord, speak to my heart and not give it two seconds. Okay. You got to take time with that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of calling is developed over years of sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then wise voices helping you hone what you think God is speaking to your heart. And all of that's part of the process that God is working out in your life to draw you close to him and lead you on his preferred path for your life. Mm, that's awesome, Pastor David. Um, I wanted to take it a bit more personal um, with with the calling that you're in, in, in ministry, how do you balance your personal desires and goals with the needs and demands of, of, of your calling in, into ministry? Well, something that your listeners might not know is that we're in a transition here at the church. So James River Church is, uh, you know, 32 years old, um, and it's, it's this growing, vibrant faith community. I mean, we're seeing more people come to Christ than ever before. We're seeing more people baptized. So that's so exciting because usually churches that are in their third decade, you know, they may start to downshift or decelerate. And we're we're believing God for more and we're seeing him do so many incredible things, which is so exciting. And one of the things that we're in the process at his prompting of doing is a leadership transition. So my dad has been leading the church for 32 years, which is so exciting, but He's transitioning out of that lead pastor role, and my brother Brandon and I are going to lead together into the future, which is so exciting. It's been something that's been in the works for uh, a number of years, you know, thinking, praying, and then we announced it this spring, and it's so exciting to see God's hand on that and how he's going to use that and the dreams that are in our heart, he's going to bring to fruition. But I'll tell you this, that anytime you're doing life or even leading with somebody else, part of what has to happen is, and in a very real sense, this is this is the track that Brandon and I are walking down, that when you're leading together, you're producing together, you're not always going to see things exactly the same. You're going to have to yield at times to one another and go, okay, I see your perspective on that. Hey, that makes sense to me. And so there may be things that are in our hearts individually that the people we are leading with or we're in relationship with, maybe your spouse. I think sometimes we can say, oh, if she would only let me do that. You know what? If you know, And we start to daydream, and here's what's bad. You can begin to daydream and think, you know what? If I'd have married somebody else, I'm sure my life would be really different, which is a very dangerous dream. Hmm. Because one thing you're doing, you're, you're starting to make your marriage the problem, which it's not. If God has joined you together, nothing should separate that. And if God has caused the two of you to be joined together, as long as you're walking humbly before him and in unity together, he's going to bring about at his time and in the right way, the desires that are deep within your heart. But what it might cause you to do is go, I actually need to yield those desires right now because the season I might that I'm in 
doesn't allow for me to pursue them with the vigor that I would need to. So, okay. So what do I mean? Right now, I wish I was a great golfer. Okay. <laughs> I wish I was. I'm a bad golfer. I'm not a very good golfer. I like it. I enjoy it, but I'm not very good at it. Why? Well, I've got four little kids. That's why. And to be good at golf, you have to spend a lot of time on the golf course. So I have a decision to make. Either I'm going to say, no, I want to be a good golfer and I'm going to be a good golfer. Or I'm going to say, you know what? What I want right now is I want to love my kids and I want to be a good dad to my kids. And when I die, am I going to care about a good golf game or am I going to care about that I invested in the life of my children? Why? Well, I, I know the answer to that one's pretty easy. Mm. If you die with a great golf game alienated from your kids, that'll be rough. That'll be a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. But if I say, okay, this desire to be a great golfer and to enjoy time out on the course is subservient and it finds its proper place below the priority of loving and serving and parenting my children, well, then eventually, am I going to get to play a lot of golf? Yeah, I'm going to play all the golf I want to play. But this moment and this season is about something else. And unless I'm careful, I will get my priorities out of whack. And here's the thing. Some kids love golf. And you might be a dad who's like, I golf with my kids all the time. Good for you. My kids don't love to golf. But in this moment, I've got to say, instead of forcing them into that grid and saying, you're going to golf with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them hate golf and me. I've got to say, okay, that desire can wait. This desire takes precedence and priority. And I'm going to honor the position that God has called me to play right now. And I'm not going to go, oh, I just wish I was in that other season. Yeah. Because if you do that, it's honestly, what that's exposing in you is selfishness. It's exposing in you uh, self-centeredness mm -hmm. and an arrogance that is God wants to break that down in your life. So yeah. usually if you feel like something is in the way of you doing what God's called you to do, unless it is sin or some sort of distraction that you've allowed in. If it's relational, if it's family, if it's responsibility, it's not in the way. It's actually paving the way for you to be more effective in what you're called to do, but that's not yet for today. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of the way I process it. Certain desires just have to take a back. They have to be subservient to the yeah. more important desire. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, final words of encouragement to our audience. We're going to go into a little bit of a rapid fire with three, four questions, but, uh, <laughs> final words of encouragement. Hey, you know what? We're talking about calling. You are called. Okay. So whatever, if you're listening, if you've made it this deep in this podcast, you're curious about this. And what I'm saying to you is you, there's a calling on your life, a God given assignment on your life, figure out what it is and give your life toward that end and toward that aim and then watch what God will do. And here's the thing, people underestimate what they can do in five years, in 10 years, they overestimate what they can do in one or two years. Play for the long game. Don't give in to the immediate gratification hamster wheel. Say, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it. And I'm doing it for the long haul and watch God honor that in your life. Mm. 
Well, thank you so much for your encouragement, Pastor David. I've I've definitely learned a lot through through this podcast interview and discussion. So thank you so much, not only just pouring in me, but our our listeners out there. Hey, you're so welcome. Yeah. Um, before we go into this rapid fire, how can people connect with you on, on social media? Yeah, I would love for them to connect with me uh, on Instagram. It's David Lindell. I think it's the same on Twitter, um, on threads, on Facebook. You can find me on TikTok. So I'm I'm in all of those places, but also in person, um, I'm a, I'm obviously preaching, teaching God's word at James River Church, but then the Stronger Men's Conference, I get to help lead that men's conference. Uh, it's a global event. So we'll have people from around the world show up. We'll have people from all across the United States. It's the largest men's conference, I believe, currently in America. So there's no larger gathering of men in the United States for the purpose of worshiping Jesus and growing strong in their faith. It happens every April. And so this year we're pumped up about it. It's going to be awesome. So strongermen.org. I would love to see you at conference. Oh, it's going to be so good. And I look forward to attending for the first time myself. Oh, in April. I can't wait. I can't wait. You're going to have yeah. a seat with your name on it. Thanks. Oh, we're going to save you one. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, for those that are interested in uh, going to the conference or interested in learning more, uh, we'll definitely have that link in the podcast description on whichever okay. platform you're listening to. Um, so, Pastor David, I have a little bit of a rapid fire here. Um, dead or alive, who would you love to have dinner with? Oh, dead or alive. Um, I can answer that very easily. Theodore Roosevelt. Mm. Um, here's the thing. I'm, I kind of go in cycles with people. We talked about mentors. You should have dead mentors. So have living mentors, but have dead mentors. Theodore Roosevelt is currently a, like a really important voice in my life. He mm -hmm. um, probably didn't die following Jesus. He was a fascinating person, like fat, fascinating, like the most interesting president in our history, I think. Um, I'm sure I'll I'll have a different answer for you next time. But like, I just, I'm reading all I can about him. I just, I love it. The guy's amazing. He's like mm. crazy smart and got energy for days. And I just, I'm learning a lot about leadership just from reading all the stuff I can about him. So Theodore Roosevelt. Awesome. Um, what are some recent reads that you recommend? Uh, I just read a new biography on Martin Luther King Jr. by Jonathan Egg and uh, EIG. So it's a 669 pages, um, read it over vacation, and it like blew my mind, honestly. Um, fascinating read. I learned so much about MLK and just that journey. And it taught me a lot about what it means to create a movement and kind of what the obstacles are in front of you and kind of things that you have to keep uh, as priorities in your life and safeguards. He definitely let his guard down big time, made some massive personal errors, but it was a fascinating read. I can't recommend it enough. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Pastor David, thank you so much for pouring into not only me and our audience, really appreciate all your time, your insights, and uh, look forward to attending the men's conference and hopefully Come meeting on. you in person. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to see you there. For sure. Thank you. And thank you all for, for listening. And uh, thank you again, Pastor David. Hey, thank you so much. It's been a joy. Well, we hope you enjoyed this awesome podcast interview with Pastor David Lindell from Jane River Church. 
If you're interested in learning more about the Stronger Men's Conference that will be held in April 2024 in Springfield, Missouri, go ahead and the website is strongermen.org. The website is strongermen.org. You can find out more about the conference in April 2024, and I'll be there attending the conference as well in Springfield, Missouri, and looking forward to an awesome event there. And really hope you enjoy this interview with Pastor David Lindell. Feel free to check out James River Church and all their sermons that they have online, on YouTube, on the website. And um, also, if you haven't gotten your copy of Navigation and Discovery, my first debut book, you can get your copy at CameronSingBook.com. And you can also find out more and connect with me on social media at CameronSing.com. My website is CameronSing.com. Or you can send me an email, SingCameron at gmail.com. Also, to find out the next episode, whenever it releases, feel free to subscribe on the platform that you're listening to. And also give a five-star rating on this, on whichever platform you're listening to, to help get this podcast up on the leaderboards for whichever um, platform you're listening on. Thank you again for all your support, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Navigation and Discovery with Cameron Singh.